You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You are listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, 29th of October to the 2nd of November. This week, uh, we were joined in the studio by Auntie Donna to talk about the album tour, which they're on at the moment. Uh, Broden, Broden, sorry, and Zach from Auntie Donna were very funny. Uh, and we also had a chat to Michael Harden. He was in for Food Interlude, and he talked about uh, the rise of Instagram fooding, food, Instagramming food, and mm. how that has affected the restaurant industry and cafes. Basically, we all decide what we want to eat and where we want to go now because, because of Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, because it was Halloween, we talked about ghost stories. Ooh. And uh, Laura Dunneman came in for our Friday Funny Bugger. Yes, and Geraldine told us about how it's not always a good thing to be recognised on the street. In fact, sometimes it's a bad thing. And we chatted to Seth Stevens Davidovich about his book, Everybody Lies, What the Internet Can Tell You Tell Us About How Who We Truly Are. We discovered that we truly are bad people. Pretty messed up. Yeah. Have a lovely week. Not me, though. <laughs> You're tuned to Breakbusters here on Triple R. Auntie Donna bringing their album tour to Max Watts on this Saturday, the 3rd of November. Ahead of that, though, two thirds of them, Brody and Zach, are joining us in the studio. Welcome to Breakbusters. Good morning, Triple R. Good morning, Melbourne. <laughs> Good morning, lovers of community. <laughs> Good morning. The morning. Good you morning. Know, we are here to talk about, sure, a little bit our album tour, but we're really here to talk about subscribing to Triple R. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> and because it's all about you, the listener. <laughs> and to start things off, Ani Donna, we haven't cleared this with anyone. <laughs> we would like to donate. One hundred million dollars oh. to Triple R this Thank morning. Thank you. That is very kind. Oh, what a great start to our Monday! Yeah. Would that help? Out? Yeah. Imagine yeah. us going to a meeting after this. Thing. Yeah, we just got a hundred million donations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you'll be able to buy a few more tea bags for the kitchen. <laughs> 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 uh, it's called the album tour because you did release an album. Yeah. Oh, Tell us about that. I feel like maybe. Comedians don't release albums as much as maybe they did like 10, 15 years ago. We Whatever. did it exactly <laughs> for that reason. We're like, surely there's only going to be about five comedy albums released this year, which gives us a shoe in for the Aria <laughs> nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Just by default. Uh, and it's and it, how, did, how did you go in the Arias? Really well. If losing is well, then we went well. <laughs> but you got nominated. <laughs> we, we got, got nominated. nominated. That's all you wanted, and isn't that's, it? That's, that's an honour. It's, it's uh, presence is present enough <laughs> I guess but no it was very good it was very good but you wrote a whole bunch of songs mm. now as <clears throat> are we supposed to take you seriously as musicians now yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah we no we are on a tour uh, we've been playing band rooms for the last three, four weeks, and we've never done that before. Mm. And it's, do you know what? This is, and I'm saying this absolutely sincerely, being a musician is much easier than being a comedian. Well, is this oh. controversial? Yeah. 100%. Why? It's so much easier. Because, Jez will know this, when you get on stage, it, you've got to, it's about trying to win people over for the whole time. But with music, sometimes you're just playing songs and you don't really care if they like it or not. It's just, And you yeah. can have these dead moments. Comedians spend the whole time just making sure the audience is with you, and if you lose them for a second, it's it's really bad. Music, being a musician is easy. 
I, like, having said that, all we do is stand there while the musicians do stuff around us. <laughs> we have a we have a three piece band behind us, a backup singer. So they're doing all the music part. <laughs> I should say, standing next to a band while they perform is easier than doing comedy. Did, did any of you have any musical? Background because you, you're trained as actors. Well, you? I got a B plus in yeah. singing for um, for uh, year twelve. Yeah. B plus is pretty good. Thank you, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, great, well, it's not fantastic. <laughs> it's okay. I sang the national anthem <laughs> at some private school <laughs> in <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> They drove me up to some private school in Melbourne and got me to sing the national anthem, and I'm like, "That's a B plus national <laughs> anthem." Not really part of it. Yeah, well, that was you could choose the national. And how many yeah. verses did you do? I think I did. I think I may have even done the third. Ooh, What's the third? I didn't know there was a third. Yeah, verse. yeah I think a it's third. a rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check it. <laughs> now you, you had um, King Gizzard uh, promo on just yes, before then. Yeah. So Joe, Joey Boy. Um, uh, one of the guitarists, one of the 48 guitarists, <laughs> um, played on the album because I went, I went to school with him and we just called in favours from every musician we knew. Mm-hmm. So on the album there's Montaigne and there's Boilermakers, Matt O'Kine rapping on it. And, and does that make that the 48 King Gizzard album as well? <laughs> sure. Why not? Like, yeah. If, yeah. If, we get, if we get some of their sales out of it, then yeah. absolutely, yeah. No worries. But yeah, they've had a lot. Of, they, how many albums have they had this year? Uh, four, four I think. Yeah, yeah. four, yeah. Yeah, wow. So does that mean this two, uh, you're just doing music, or are you still are you doing sketches as well? There's, well, it's not so much sketches, but we're we're playing off the idea of a rock show. So it's a kind of like the whole thing is a parody of a rock show. So there's all the talking in between, there's fighting, there's yeah. stuff in between the songs. They, so it is a comedy show. Is the audience confused by that, or are they there just to laugh? It's definitely strange. There's definitely an, uh, an audience for music there or people who go to music shows and yeah, there's yeah. people who are going to their first ever rock show, like comedy, hard, hardcore comedy fans come into it who have no idea what to do, um, which that. is kind of fun. <laughs> so we're excited to do it at Max Watts because it's such a big venue and such a rock venue that it should be interesting to see how that goes. But the show started off, you know, when we started in Ballarat a month ago running for about an hour and we've just filled it with so much talking and I think it's now going for about 90 minutes. <laughs> we've just, we've really bloated out. Because you were touring a sketch show earlier this year. Yes. Yeah. You're right. So, okay, so it's almost like sort of you've got almost two completely different things you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, this is just that. <laughs> used you up. <laughs> 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 so music and comedy together. Well, the thing is we hate our families, so we want to be away. But how much time can we spend away from them doing things? So we're excited to announce our next tour, which is a gardening-based show. <laughs> Starts in a week, and it's a world tour. Yep. I would do a gardening show. Yeah, I'd be very up for it. I was going to actually ask that: why, why did you do an album and not, yeah, or a cooking show? <laughs> I feel like there could be Zach more here. Is, Zach is big on cooking. I'm a big foodie boy. Really? Yeah, I'm a big foodie boy, but I'm not very good at cooking. But I'm not bad enough that it would be funny. I'm in that, like, in bet- It's like, oh, let's, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, let's make a nice, some roast veggies. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put yeah. some rosemary in it, really impress my friends. You know, I don't think that's very interesting. Yeah, no, mm. fair enough, really. So you're a B plus in singing. What about the rest of the... Oh, bro, no, I didn't want to mention it. You didn't want to mention it. I got an A um, in VCA year 12, 2007 singing. I don't want to brag about it, but it was uh, it was an uh, absolute you know, success. What were you and, singing? Uh, I sang six songs, went to Viewbank College, represent, <laughs> and, and uh, we, did our, we did our exam at Ivanhoe Girls Grammar. Oh. I remember that. That's did, stressful. Yeah. I had a really cool singing VCA grad singing teacher called Nalusha, and uh, so I did lots of cool songs. Like I did... Um, 
what did I do? I did like Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not very good a singer, but she got me to the point where someone thought I was a good singer for 15 minutes. What, what's the VCA singing team like? Do they just bring you on and you've got to sing a song? and then they You go in and you sing? It's like Australian Idol or something. It's like you got to have, you know, contrasting, <laughs> isn't it? you got to have a, an a cappella song. You've got to be able to prove you can sing in key. It's, it's one of the, you know... I say this with as you know as much positivity, but it was one of those ones where you didn't have to do that much exam prep. <laughs> <laughs> I did drama, music, uh, media. They were the best courses. There was didn't no, get a very high end. No, no religious studies. <laughs> no, no <laughs> studies. All the ones that are marked down. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How did you learn to rap? I just it was born with it. Yeah. You know how sometimes you're just born with something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Can you rap? Really well. Yes. Yeah, no, wow. it's, not, it's not my thing. <laughs> I was looking at your website, and your social media statistics are incredible. It's not 35 million YouTube views or whatever. Wait, like with those like astonishing numbers of people watching you online, why the live shows then? Uh, How do well, they relate to each other? You you don't make any money from the online stuff. <laughs> so what we're right, doing now is extracting <laughs> some money from that 35 million people <laughs> so we can pay our rent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, uh, we just love getting in touch with the people. Sure. <laughs> and and the <laughs> it's all about the moolah. <laughs> Just some more cash injections. <laughs> yeah. So when you guys started as a group, was the intention to build up an audience online or was it to build up an audience live? Oh, we were old school. We wanted to do a live show until a big hotshot producer saw us and gave us a TV show and we just thought that was the only way you could... Well, we all thought that. Yeah. 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 Our first ever show was in the Comedy Festival in 2012 and we are on after this incredible act <laughs> and every night and we were we wanted to we were just so worried about becoming a good act we're after Geraldine Hickey it was me really yeah yeah our first ever show show we were in in the same size venue and now they are playing (laughs) 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 and here you are <laughs> she used to come into come to our space with a motorbike helmet every night. It was oh like, yeah, I like, did too. Like a yeah. cool biker. Well, yeah. I remember when I went and saw your show. Hannah Gadsby was in the audience. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, Hannah Gadsby in the audience. <laughs> and she plays hundred seaters. <laughs> Whatever happened to her? <laughs> anyway, I'm still here, guys. <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> oh, okay, I got another dumb question. I wanted to ask you too. How yeah. many members exactly are in Auntie Donna? Last count's four hundred. <laughs> no, we're a little sort of collaborative. We like the idea of what Python did where they had animators and they had people who were interested in directing and, and that model. So we were all drama, Ballarat drama grads, and we decided we wanted to make comedy. We wanted to try and find a career out of doing the comedy bits. So we have uh, the performing members. We also write. We have a director who directs everything we do. We have a filmmaker who makes all of our work, and we have a... a uh, musician composer who works with us on everything in that respect and then we split the $18 profit <laughs> <next way. laughs> uh, did, yeah. did you ever go solo? We did little bits and pieces. We've done little, like we all have, but this has been the main thing for the last six years. This is the the number one for all of us. It's our job. It's our, what we spend. We come in, we work, we have an office down the road from here that we come into work every day and make podcasts or write or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we're, we're all in. 
Broden was on a Coles ad once. Still really? Am. Really? What are you running? Oh, is it? If is it dr- the down, down prices are down? No. no. It's, it's. I don't want to give them free plugging. Well, but I just did, so it's all right. <laughs> uh, let's say if you have MasterCard... And no Coles. annual fee. Oh. <laughs> I'm one of the red suit boys. I'm one of the red suit boys. Um, yeah, it was. Oh, I did it in 2012 or 13. I was like, oh, that was fun. That'll last for three days. It's been going six years now. Do you get oh. paid for it still? Yes, I do. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very lovely coals. Oh, of course. Lots of plugs. In fact, if you're going to work, should buy coals. <laughs> get yourself some of their great daily deals. I think they're doing baton. Hockey ham at the moment. The first floor is going to get a bit of uh, You listen to SEN, <laughs> don't you? Uh, Lexus the Blackburn's quite good as well. <laughs> the album tour is coming to Max Watts this Saturday, November 3rd. We'll be talking to Bruno and Zach from Auntie Donna. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. You are listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 R FM in Melbourne, Australia. Time for food interlude here on Breakfast. It's on Triple R. Time to welcome back Michael Harden. How are you going this morning? I'm very well. How are you? Very good. Very excited to talk about this topic, the impact of Instagram on restaurants. It kind of makes sense when you think about it. That would have an impact. It's huge. It's sort of like, and I think the thing that is really amazing is how quickly it's sort of taken over because I was looking, doing a little bit of research about it, like, and, you know, even back as far as, like, you know, as early as 2013, there were still articles about restaurants banning phones and saying that it was sort of like... Anti the whole restaurant. I think there was an article in the New York Times about a, a restaurant called Momofuku Co. in New York, which is you know very upmarket sort of, and they were very passionate about not having phones in there. And now they've got a very popular Instagram account where they're <laughs> uploading <laughs> people to their to their account. So it's sort of like it's become this amazing amazing sort of marketing tool, and uh, it's sort of like you know it's. I loathe this word, but it's a disruptor to the way way that um, (laughs) um, restaurants are now marketed. So people are actually, like chefs are actually designing their food around um, the way that the food looks, even more so than it tastes in a lot of of cases. But also sometimes that... Thinking about that design of, you know, what they serve, that's not always pretty. No. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, like, it's actually really hard to get a good food shot. Like, brown food is awful. Mm. You know, it just looks like a cow pat most of the time. <laughs> so, you know, it's sort of like, so they're actually having to sort of pop colour and look about, um, you know, the sort of colours that, like, this is why, one of the reasons why avocado on toast became so popular because it looks good really? on camera, like the green pops in a, on, a, yeah. on a phone camera. So, oh, black parsley. 250,000 hashtag um, avocado on toast. Oh. Wow. Uh, you so, think that people know what it looks like by now and they wouldn't yeah, need to see it? Seriously. Yeah. I know, get over it. Yeah. It's sort of like it's avocado on toast. It's like, come on. There's so, lots of flowers. I've noticed that... Um, so I actually follow cafes and restaurants mm. just because I like looking at the food that they post. And so, yeah. You know, even if I don't plan to go there. And flowers and those kinds of things yeah. seem to be really in Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, very much so. It's sort of like it's all about... Like, I got a, a quote from a chef that I, I interviewed recently um, and he said that it influences the way we create dishes. Um, Flavour is important, obviously, but we are now really aware that it has to look good on Instagram and you have to use fancy words like, because people like hashtagging them. So sort of like, you know, gels ah. and parfaits and things like that. So they're looking at that as well. Ah. So you take a dish that's sort of all already good and then you add value to it. So he, said, he was sort of saying that it's like if you sell a car 
and it's running well and it looks good, but then you give it a cut and polish and you add mag wheels because your market is the sort of market that likes mag wheels. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing that they're sort of... But it's not just the food, it's also the decor of restaurants. So they're kind of looking at um, the lighting, and uh, there was a there was a um, instance recently that uh, there was a guy that was looking to open a new cafe in Melbourne, and he was in Higher Ground, which is this beautiful cafe in the city. It's in an old power station. It looks like a, some sort of temple, mm. and um, which shows you know how fanatical Melbourneians <laughs> are about their coffee. Oh and um, they, there was a um, Instagram influencer in there with sixty thousand oh. followers, and she was um, unhappy because she was unable where she was sitting to get a good photo of her food. And this guy was saying, "Well, you know, that's what we have to include in when we're designing our cafe. We have to make sure that everywhere in the cafe the lighting is good, so that people can oh take photos God. of their food." And then they're also, people are changing their sort of thinking about the um, table surfaces because they're going to be part of the photo. So they're sort of like, that's where, why there's been so much marble coming in with table surfaces because it looks really good on Instagram. Hmm. And, you know, and then even sort of to the fact of um, bathrooms, you know, restaurant bathrooms, that's a big thing with selfies. Bathroom selfies are Bathroom huge. Bathroom selfies. So you have to start looking about, you know, is my... Dunny, glamorous <laughs> enough, you know. So it's uh, it, it's really quite it amazing. Ends. It never ends. And you know, there, there's people that come in, and you know, they say a lot of the time they won't even look at the menu. They'll just come in with their phone and go, "I want that." And so. Oh. When you've got a really busy cafe, like there's a cafe um, in the city called Hardware Society, and they are very much an Instagram cafe. They're sort of they're not um, really known that much in the mainstream media, but they have a queue out the door every day. Really? Uh, yeah, and they are, and it's full of people that are coming in and in, you know with the, with the photos of the food. What kind of food do they have that looks really good? They're sort of doing a. They've got a brunch. They do brunch, but they do it's like really bling brunch. So it's sort of like instead of, they do an eggs Benedict, but instead of it, it's it's a lobster. Eggs Benedict. Ah. So you've got a lot of kind of, you know, you've got caviar and, and lobster and scallops and, you know, that sort of stuff. They make their own brioche and all of these sort of things. And so people are coming in and they have got a strict policy of never altering anything on the menu. You know, they, you can't go in and go, I don't want the caviar. Why you'd say that, I don't know. But, um, you know, we don't want that because they said that if they alter it and somebody photo um, takes a picture of it and puts it on Instagram, then all of a sudden they've got, you know, 25 people coming in going, we want that one, which has changed. So they've got this really strict policy of not... Um, and also, the if they've made a food tower and you take something out of it, it collapses. Exactly, mm. exactly. So, you know, it's sort of like you've got to have your intact crock and bush for breakfast yeah. or, you know, it's just not going to work. <laughs> so are they mostly dealing with their own Instagram accounts or are they more in, are they more affected by the punters coming in and take photos or, or both? Um, mostly it's more sort of punters. Like, you know, they're kind of being led by what the punters like. Like, they sort of see, you know, which dishes are getting the most traction and then they will sort of like... And then that those are the dishes that they're going to be sort of featuring on their own Instagram account at yeah, the right. same time. So it's... Um, yeah, it's really, it's become hugely influential. Like, even in terms of the publishing industry with, with um, doing books about cafes or restaurants, they are now sort of like... You know that they... Like, unless you've got at least 20,000, 25,000 followers, they're not really interested in doing a book on you anymore because they know that, that that's sort of a, a sign of how much traction you've got. Huh. Okay, and what are, what are the negative 
effects of this? I mean, does it mean that, like you said before, that that, that flavour becomes yeah. less important? Yeah, and, and I think flavour... Flavour and also atmosphere, because there's places, you know, that have got the lighting up so high. Like, unless you've got natural light, um, you're going to have to put your lighting up really high in order to, to make sure that people get, and you know, the photo. proper... Yeah. And, you know, annoying people taking photos of their food the whole time, you know, a lot of flashes, you know, that sort of stuff. It does take away, I think, from the atmosphere. There's a restaurant in London that actually does a... Um, uh, a a kit, an Instagram kit, so if you haven't come fully prepared, they've got one there for you, so it's got um, there's got a flat, it's got a um, uh, LED light, it's got um, a wide angle lens that you can clip onto your phone, it's got a selfie stick and it's got a charger. Oh my god. It. So they're so aware that this is, you know, a, a thing that they want well, to encourage. It's, it's free advertising. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and it's the way a lot of the way that people now choose where they're going to go, like it's it's, it's ju- it really has changed the way that, like, you know, the traditional media used to be where everybody got their information from, reviews and so on, and now it's mainly Instagram and not even Facebook, really, because Facebook, it's where people sort of post events mm, and yeah. maybe sort of, you know, kind of if they've had a review or something, they'll post it on there, but they're not really, it's not the current stuff and the Instagram is constantly being updated the whole time. You know, I read an article about a restaurant in New York a couple of years ago, really, really popular one that always had queues out the door. I think it's in Little Italy. Mm. And uh, they couldn't understand that they seemed to be getting more people but making less money and they were kind of doing these big, you know, they, they did this big look into why they might be losing money, whether it was how they would charge. They couldn't work anything out. And then they sat one day and watched the cameras of a service because they're like, well, maybe it's our service. Our service is slowing. Yes. Well, you know, and then they saw that there was an extra 10 minutes put on everyone's time because as soon as they got their meal, they got their phones out, took, took pictures of it, sat on their phones, Instagrammed it, and they realised they were losing about 10 minutes per service on every person that sat down now because of... Instagram. Yeah. So that was the effect it was having on their business. Oh. So they weren't able to make, get as many people through the door. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's also then that you're never really eating the food when it's at its peak. Yeah, it's always cooled and it's always gone. Back. So you're never really knowing whether, like, you know, is that, is this how it's supposed to taste? And it's become, I think that's the thing that it's become less about the flavour of the food in a lot of these cases and more about some sort of social currency that you're there and you're eating this thing that everybody else is liking. And and, uh, and then you so the it's kind of in this interesting sort of shift in what the experience of a cafe has become. It's sort of like a demonstration rather than um, you know feeding yourself. So is there any pushback against it? I mean, you said no, no, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's too it's it's like a juggernaut. It's too successful. It's the way things are now. Mm. You know, it's sort of like I I kind of there's there's you know the old fart in me that, you know, really doesn't like, you know, it's sort of like, just go in and eat your food, concentrate on that, talk to the people, you know, blah, 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 and yeah. it's like, yeah, shut up, old guy, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know. Have you ever had, like, a meal come out and, you, and you've gone, oh, that is good, I want to take a picture of that? Mm, yeah, there is, there but it's go. sort of, and I do, when in my capacity as a reviewer, I do tend to take photos, but my, I'm kind of thinking that I should um, start an Instagram account of worst food photos ever. Oh, yeah. Because they... Everything looks like garbage when I take a photo of it. Doesn't matter. Like you know, they, they can they've spent forty thousand dollars on the lighting. I will still ruin it. So excellent. One man's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I will. Me against Instagram. Thanks so much, Michael Harden. We'll talk to you again soon. No worries. Thanks. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio Three Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. 
You're listening to Breakfasters and it's Halloween, so let's tell some ghost stories. Uh, I um okay. I'll start. Um, also, listeners, if you want to tell us any any of your freaky stories, you can t- um, call or text zero four double six nine eight one zero two seven is the text line. We should line. specify when we say freaky stories. We mean ghost stories. Yeah, yeah. not like freaky. I want to get freaky with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just feel without listening. Yeah, it's you never know. Clarify this. Ghost stories. Freaky with you. Uh, or. And also you can call us 93881027 for your scary stories. Uh, I went to Edinburgh. Um, I've done this ghost tour a couple of times. And it is the scariest, but it's so cool. First time I did it, I was so scared, right? Really got into the, I was just terrifying and stuff. And I had um, a, a... one of the guys, there was one room where you go into, and it's all like underground in the caves and stuff, and there's one room you go into, and they put all the women on one side and all the men on the other, because uh-huh. they say there's a poltergeist in here, and he's really mean to, he's horrible to women, so we keep, and he's on uh-huh. that side of the room, so we'll just keep keep him away from... Sexist poltergeist. Yes, he is, he's a very horrible man, poltergeist. Right, but then there was a guy, one of my mates that was in there, um, he was on, on the man's side, and he felt a tap on his bum. <gasps> yeah, and he was like, and he was like, someone's next to me playing funny buggers, but then turned around and there was nobody there. No! Oh. I just got goosebumps! Yes, ghost, ghost touched him on the bum. Oh. Oh. What have you got? Um, well, well, there was a ghost at our farm. Was there? Yeah, there was. And it used to play games. So it would, um, it, sometimes you'd hear kind of like thumping around in the night and Dad would just yell out, I've had enough of it or whatever, and it would go quiet. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, it, the ghost it, was scared of your father. But it, yeah, yeah. But, he was, but it used to, um, so it would play tricks on, it particularly play tricks on guests. Like I never really had much experience with it except when I, we had friends there. So often um, friends would walk into a room, there was like the bunk room there. I remember one of Dad's friends staying and uh, going in and flicking the light on and off, you know, going, oh, you know, Kevin, the light's blown or whatever and dad comes in he goes it's not blown it's just the ghost playing funny buggers and his friend's like oh yeah or whatever and he goes all right watch this and then dad turns it on and it just comes on straight away <gasps> yeah and was there then that was a very common it was lots to do with yeah was there a backstory to the farm though i don't Previous know yeah, no, i don't know what's the story ghost who was it i, I don't, don't know anything we don't know and um my friends though three so there was a kind of an outside room where i used to stay sometimes which was super spooky mm. um and he, it was it was kind of disconnected from the main house and that i used to sleep out there and sometimes i sleep with like the kind of covers over my head and stuff because i was a bit freaked out but nothing ever really happened to me in there except that when i had friends there, so my friends kylie and rose came and stay and we all slept in the bed out there together so we're a bit freaked out yes. one of them was going to sleep on the floor and then they were like no nah, i don't no. want to be separate don't want to be kicked by a ghost in the middle of the night someone sat on the bed what yeah, and kylie just kylie was pin- i remember her pinching the back of my back of my back and i was <gasps> like what and she's like there is something sitting on the bed and you could feel the bed <sighs> all like, three of you yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 like so so the bed kind of was like, <laughs> like no one was there now I'm crying. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> For how long did you say get off the get off me bloody and bed? We all just jumped up and screamed, and then there was then it was it was gone. Wow. Mm. 
I used to think that Beetlejuice lived in my cupboard. Oh my God. <laughs> That is a that is a that is a genuine that is a good fear. Oh, I just I've never I have I still haven't seen the movie, but it, when the movie came out, there was like Beetlejuice everywhere, and I you know when you kind of you know you don't want to believe in ghosts, but you do. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you really, really do. And then I used to, um, yeah, <laughs> just climb up my cupboard. And like, just try and reach up the back and stuff, and and just imagine that Beetlejuice lived up the back of my cupboard. But why would you scare yourself? Beetlejuice was really evil. He was forcing himself to marry their daughter. Do you remember oh, in the not, movie? Mate, yeah, it's really creepy. Mate, I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. It was just I knew that there was this creepy looking black and white dude called Beetlejuice, and I went well. That's what I'm going to call my imaginary ghost friend up in the corner of my cupboard. That is so creepy. I'm getting goosebumps thinking of you. Beetlejuice. <laughs> I climb up when I was putting clothes away going, hey, Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure one of our listeners not make me sound like the only person who's had an experience with a ghost. I, mm. Did I tell you about um, when I was in Russia? So A Russian ghost? A Russian ghost, yeah. So <gasps> as part of that trip, research trip, I went to this town called Perm, which is one of the few places where there's a surviving Russian gulag, a um, labour camp that I was going to visit. So that was for this research purpose. Because most of them were, were taken away, so there's, most of them are destroyed. So there's only one left that you can actually go and visit. But it's a very strange place because it's not... It's not really set up as a museum. It kind of is, but the government wants to close it down. And we had this guide who was taking us through there. It was very strange. It's like, you know, if you go to visit Auschwitz or something like that, or, you know, some, there's, a, there's a very solemn kind yes. of... Yeah, it was nothing like that. This guy was just sort of joking and... Anyway, he took us through, and there's a punishment cell that's in the middle of it. It's like really old school. It's like... Out of interest, was it more like Russians or more like foreigners who were going to look at the gulag were there was no one going to look at the gulag okay right just you all right like and the whole place is sort of falling apart and so anyway so i went in there and it was this evil evil place it was like you know it's like the old melbourne jail that sort of thing except you can see all this graffiti and stuff you know i went in there and then he closed the door and he didn't open it what are you serious so i was just in there and there was like i don't know about a ghost but there was a bad bad vibe about that place and then the door wouldn't open and i'm just <gasps> in there and I'm oh my god yes um so yeah i just started banging on it then uh, did you freak out yeah yeah because this is the middle of bloody nowhere in siberia oh. and then like um then eventually um far <laughs> man, goosebumps again <laughs> eventually he opens it and he's just laughing at it i play funny <laughs> joke and there's the whole way through he's showing us that he was just oh. doing these this, oh. this kind of oh my bizarre God. clowning. This is bizarre terrible. and inappropriate clowning in this horrible, horrible place. But yeah, we became quite good friends by, Did the, you? by, by, by the end of it. Wow. But, but yes, that was um, perhaps as scared as I got the entire time I was in Russia. Well, ever in your life, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, was, you know, some places just have a really bad Yes, feeling. you can do oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. I've done the Melbourne jail. Um, ghost thing once when I was like, when I was much younger though I want to go back and do it. I had friends. Um, there was a, a comic group Watson did a show in the old Melbourne jail and it was the most terrifying thing oh. I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, it was such an incredible show. But you walked in the beginning. Um, 
you know, because it was an immersive theatre type thing, so you were walking around with them and stuff. And I, like, kept my back to the wall the whole time because I didn't want anything coming up from behind. Because I knew, you know, it was one of those things where you knew things were going to pop out and, you know, people go, rah, and there was ghosts and all this kind of stuff. But the the first scene, you're kind of standing uh, in the middle and with all the jail cells on you know on either side and then they <laughs> they just made it so you were standing there going and the people leading you around like everything's fine don't worry about it like we're just going to go in here and then everyone just stand here for a second and then all the doors opened at once oh all the cell doors opened at once and just went and oh, it was my god the coolest and also scariest thing Ever. That is awesome. Oh. Well, thank you, listeners, for your filling in uh, with all your ghost stories. A few people message things about Ouija oh, boards really? and stuff. You're just saying how scary they were. We used to, oh. I can't talk about my Ouija board experiences. Here's, here's another fun one. Just before, um, I had friends uh, it, growing up in high school that did a seance one night. Mm. I never did them. I was never allowed to do them. It was very, I couldn't do them. I used to do them and say our father first. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How messed up be- is that? Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't get that far. But I had friends that did one one night, and then the the same time that they did it, the um the church burnt down. You're listening to the best bits of the breakfasters from Three Triple R. You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Everybody lies. What the internet can tell us about who we truly are is the title of a new book out via Bloomfree. His author is Seth Stevens Davidovich. He's joining us now. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thanks for having me. This is a fascinating book and you begin it with a fairly shocking anecdote about what your access to Google searches revealed about the political fortunes of Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Perhaps to give people a sense of the book, you can tell us about that. Yeah, so the the thesis of the book is that you can't trust what people tell you, um, whether they're talking out loud on social media or even in anonymous surveys, because they tend to lie. They make themselves sound good. There's an issue called social desirability bias. People say what they think will impress people, not the truth. So if you ask people in the United States, are you racist? Just about nobody answers yes to that question. Yes, I'm a big racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's considered socially unacceptable to say, uh, to admit to racist attitudes. But I was shocked by how frequently people make searches on Google for racist material, uh, searches with the N word, which are usually for jokes, mocking, humiliating African Americans. Uh, so uh, millions of these searches every year. And this map tends to predict, we can see where these searches are high or which parts of the United States are highest, uh, these searches are highest. And in these parts of the country uh, where more people are making searches for the N-word, uh, they opposed Barack Obama secretly more than the other Democratic candidates. Uh, so despite telling pollsters they didn't care that Obama was black, they were perfectly happy to have a black president, they were secretly turning out against him in big numbers. And then uh, Google searches for the N-word was the single biggest predictor of support for Donald Trump in the Republican primary. So basically you had all these voters uh, in the privacy of their own home, anonymous, uh, t- while they had told everybody that they were totally fine with Barack Obama being black, they, they, that you know, they didn't care about people's skin color. Uh, they uh, voted against Obama because he was black and they supported Donald Trump uh, in part, I think, in, in response to 
uh, Obama's election. And these surges weren't just from areas where you might expect it. So, say, in the South, by Republican voters, were they? No, they they weren't. So if you think of American history, we tend to think that racism is predominantly concentrated in the South. Uh, The Civil War was fought North versus South. South wanted slavery. North opposed slavery. Uh, But actually, many of the top areas for racist searches were Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, upstate New York, West Virginia, uh, many northern parts of the country. And there was no relationship between the volume of these searches and uh, how many Democrats or Republicans are in the area. So these were just as high in Democratic strongholds as Republican strongholds. So I think uh, Republicans in the South may be more likely to admit to racist attitudes because it's a little less socially unacceptable among these groups. Uh, but North, many Northern Democrats are just as likely to have these attitudes. They don't tell anybody except Google. This is a book about the power of big data, the big data acquired by companies like Google. And as you explain in the book, some of the relationships that big data allows you to uncover are quite counterintuitive and unexpected. Tell us about the search term you discovered that correlated with high unemployment in America. Uh, <laughs> am, am I allowed to say the yeah, term? Say the okay, yeah. okay uh, warning language. <laughs> but uh, So I was looking. Uh, it takes a while to predict, to measure the unemployment rate in the United States because uh, the government takes a little while to uh, to do their survey and collect their survey. So I thought maybe you could use Google searches to predict unemployment earlier, to measure unemployment earlier, that people would make a lot of searches uh, related to unemployment. So I looked, uh, this tool called Google Correlate allows you to see what searches are most are highest when unemployment is high. And some of the searches near the top are things you might have guessed, things like need a new job, uh, unemployment benefits, out of work, Uh, These are some of the searches people tend to make when they're unemployed. But the number one highest search, uh, most predictive of unemployment is the search slut load, which is a pornographic site, which is basically unemployed people have a lot of time on their hands uh, and more time for, I guess, leisure activities. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, using their hands for other things. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, I guess in some sense, I think that's probably a good thing because it would be troubling if we found that when people were at work, they were making these searches <laughs> a lot. So it's, it's good that they save it for their unemployed periods. Uh, there's a lot of fascinating material about sexuality, some of which is more suited to radio discussions than other. But you also quote research about what the language used by men and women tell us about whether or not they're enjoying a date. Tell us about that. Oh, so yeah, they did a study on, they studied speed daters and they recorded the entire date using a tape recorder and then they put that in the, and then they also had information whether the man and woman agreed to a second date. So they could basically say what words were used on the first date that predicted there would be a second date. And uh, some of the predictors were a little surprising. So the more a woman says I on a first date, the more likely a woman is to agree to a second date. So I think for this is it was heterosexual dating, so men and women. And so I think what that says is that really what men want to do on a date is just stop talking and listening, uh, because the more uh, you allow a woman to open up to talk about herself, uh, not just dominate the conversation, uh, the more likely she is to agree to a second date, which maybe isn't rocket science. Uh, some woman, I, I imagine some woman listening being like, duh. <laughs> but I imagine some men like, oh, smart. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Maybe I shouldn't just spend the entire day talking about myself. Uh, there are also things that men say that drastically improve their odds. If they say, uh, that sounds tough, 
like uh, you know a woman says something about her life uh, a difficulty she's going through and you say that sounds tough or that sounds difficult or that sounds hard you drastically improve your odds of, of going on and di- uh, se- wow. getting a second date listening so really should, and a bit of empathy listening and a little bit of sympathy <laughs> yeah. and surprisingly a big predictor of mm. no second date is a lot of questions on the date which is surprising because you think yeah. you think you think that questions are a sign that a date's going well uh, that people are curious about uh, that the daters are curious about each other but it turns out that uh, I think a lot of questions are just signs that the conversation isn't flowing. So you start asking, "Do you have brothers and sisters? What did you? What? Where did you go to college? What did you study? Uh, what? What do you do?" All these kind of questions are uh, not necessarily signs that there's great curiosity about the other person, but signs that. Uh, they've run, that people have run out of things to say. Of natural conversation. <laughs> of natural conversation. Uh, yeah. I think, what, what, how many brothers and sisters you have is a, a classic sign that the date is not going well. <laughs> I ask that question all the time. Um, we also tend to lie about our sex lives a lot, particularly within marriages. I found that stuff really interesting. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so there's... Uh, so I talk about how people lie to surveys. So if you ask people in a survey, how frequently do you have sex? Uh, heterosexual women say they have average sex uh, once... Oh, tw- uh, once a week, they use a condom 20% of the time. You do the math. Heterosexual women say they use 1.1 billion condoms every year in heterosexual sexual encounters. You ask the same question of men, and they report 1.6 billion condoms used every year in heterosexual Someone's sexual lying. encounters. Somebody's lying. Somebody's lying, right? So <laughs> I asked Nielsen, which tracks all condoms sold, how many condoms are sold every year. Only 600 million condoms are sold, some of them used by gay men and some of them thrown out. So basically now everybody's lying about sex, men just more than women. Uh, And then the number one complaint about a marriage on Google is that it's sexless, uh, about 10 times more common than complaints that the marriage is loveless or unhappy. The number one complaint that everybody has about their partner on Google is that my partner won't have sex with me. It's uh, much more common than the second complaint that the partner won't text me back. And uh, this really surprised me. There are twice as many complaints that a boyfriend won't have sex with me than that a girlfriend won't have sex with me, which goes against, I think, traditional intuition and conventional wisdom, which is that young men, uh, men likely to be boyfriends, uh, want sex all the time and young women are more withholding. Or is it just an insight into what women, young women are comfortable talking about and young men are talking about? Yes, I think yeah. I, I think it may be, I think one of the reasons uh, there are more searches by women complaining about boyfriend want sex with me is because because culture tells us that yeah. men want sex all the time. If a woman is in a relationship with a man who doesn't want sex, she thinks something's really wrong and is really concerned about this and is more likely to turn to Google to try to figure out, uh, you know, is there something wrong with me? Whereas if a, 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 young, a young man's girlfriend doesn't want sex, maybe he thinks that's normal, so is less likely to turn to Google. Mm. Well, just following on from Sarah's question then, the, the book title is What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are, but why should we decide that the self that manifests when we're alone in front of a computer typing things into Google is more real or more authentic than, say, the self that manifests in a social situation. I mean, if your data uncovers that in private people use these racist terms, are we really to think that that is their authentic self? I, I, I think I think that might... I, I take your point that I think there is a bias in Google. So most data sources are biased in favor of positive images. So on social media, we show a cultivated image of ourselves. We 
present, present ourselves as happier, more well-adjusted, wealthier, more intellectual than we really are. In surveys, we show a biased view of ourselves. We don't admit that we're racist. Uh, we exaggerate uh, maybe how happy we are, uh, uh, how intellectual we are in surveys. I think on Google, there's probably a bias in the negative direction. We go to Google when our lives are in trouble. So we don't we don't turn to Google when th- things are going well or, mm. or, or we don't tell Google necessarily our positive thoughts. We tend to tell Google our more negative thoughts. Uh, but I think what it just shows is it kind of rounds out the picture of people and shows that our lives are probably more complicated than we might normally present. Uh, and there is definitely a lot of struggle and a lot of anger and a lot of animosity uh, that is hidden from some traditional data sources and that doesn't appear in everyday conversation. Uh, but does appear on the internet. You know, there's a. I think there's kind of one uh, side of humanity that might appear in business meetings or in at water cooler conversations or at lunch tables, uh, and then you have maybe another side of humanity that reveals itself at 3 a.m. on Pornhub. Uh, and they're just. I don't know that one is right and one is. You know that one is real. What it's really like to be a human and one is not what it's like to be a human. But we don't usually see the. Uh, the Pornhub side or the racist joke side or the my boyfriend would have sex with me side or uh, the you know anxiety and depression side that, that, that you do see more on Google and some other internet sources. I found this book absolutely fascinating but also found the research... Are you, are you being honest about that? No. no he, he, came, he came in this morning and was like, it's such an interesting book. No, no, no. no, no. no I just, I, it's just now, now after doing my research I can't trust what anyone tells me. I was typing to Google. Must yeah. do interview with stupid book. Yeah. You're Googling Seth Stevens to a fraud. Seth Stevens to an idiot. Hey, I really love your book. I think you're so smart. <laughs> but I also found the, 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 the vista that opens up vaguely terrifying. I mean, you give the example that, that, that it's possible to correlate words that people use on their loan applications with the possibility they're going to default on that loan. And as you suggest in the book, this kind of opens up all sorts of hideous possibilities of how this stuff might be used. Yes, there's a website they studied, uh, a peer-to-peer lending site, and they studied the, what people said when they were applying to get a loan and then whether they actually paid back the loan or defaulted. And they found you could predict with pretty high accuracy whether someone would default on a loan based on the words they use. If you say, I promise in a loan application, you're much less likely to actually pay back the loan, much more likely to default. Everybody lies, right? So I, I promise I'll pay back. You're not paying back. Uh, and then, and, and, and that I think we kind of understand a little bit, but then some, were even more, some of the correlations are even more surprising. Uh, there's a big correlation whether you use the word God on a loan application. If you uh-huh. use the word God, you're 2.2 times more likely to default, not uh-huh. to pay back. So you say, God bless you, or, uh, you know, God, 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 with God as my witness, I'm paying back any of these things, big signs of default. And that does, as, as your question alludes to, uh, that is a little scary because I don't think we want to live in a world where if you happen to use the word God in your loan application, just because you're now grouped in with a group with a with a, a group of people who are less likely to pay back, now you all of a sudden can't get a loan. You don't even realize why. You don't think you did anything wrong. You really didn't do anything wrong. But the data mining, the algorithms have found that you're uh, that that the, that the text you used is predictive of a default. 
Actually, we worried then that all this data has been connected, collected by some of the worst people in the world, all the tech bros, the Chinese government, all these big corporations have well, access as to... A, as a former Google data scientist, I, I question whether <laughs> tech bros are the worst people in the world and, and can, can be grouped in with the Chinese government. But uh, I think uh, I think there are obviously concerns of, 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 of this research and uh what governments, what what corporations can do with it, and what governments can do with it, for sure, uh, it's it's an issue. You know, the, the, Edward Snowden revealed in the United States that the government, the American government, was working with corporations and getting this data to try to stop terrorist attacks. Uh, I don't know that necessarily that's a horrible thing. I don't know that the government shouldn't uh, be trying to use this data because people do sometimes plan horrific acts using the internet, and you know, maybe maybe. We should police departments or governments should be trying to use this information to stop these crimes. Uh, but obviously, there's a concern if you have evil people in charge that they uh, punish totally innocent people uh, using their internet data. The book is Everybody Lies, What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Truly Are. It's published by Bloomsbury. There's an extract from it available um, to be read on the Triple R website. We've been talking to its author, Seth Stevens Davidovich. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Breakfasters with Sarah Jeff and Geraldine. Yesterday, I uh, no, it was, sorry, it was the other day. I was walking down the street with a with a mate, and then uh, I was standing on the corner waiting to cross at the lights. Yeah, and um, there's a, a whole bunch of cyclists there, and one of the cyclists went, "Hello, Geraldine." And I turned and looked and was like, hello. And to be, like this happens a bit where people will say, hello, Geraldine. Um, very recognisable. Yes. Uh, and it seems to be increasing, which is I'm happy. It's lovely. It's really nice. Yeah. People saying, hello, love your work. Have a nice day. So, and I'm like, great, love your work. See you later. Right. Uh, but this guy, um, he went, hello, Geraldine. How and I was like, and it's the Geraldine that, that makes me go, hmm. Not Jezza. Yeah. Ah. Don't let the secret out. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's the and I turned and I went, oh, that's oh, that's my uh, someone that I used to work with ages ago, right? And I went, oh, I do know him, and I was so I was like, oh, hey, so oh man, oh, so you've you've grown a beard, oh, um, well that's yeah, and he was like, yeah, uh, and then I said, have, have you started working um, at at Virgin? Um, Working for Virgin, he goes, what? No. And then the lights changed and then he took off, right? I know. Now you've got like, what? Yeah. What? And it was like... It's like you just actually was trying to make small talk and you just made up a thing on the spot. Oh, yeah. Do but you look at a yeah. Virgin? <laughs> <laughs> but I had... But here's the thing. I did used to work with a guy who now is a flight attendant. It on, just wasn't with, that uh, guy. It just wasn't that person. Mm. So he, do you know who that person was? Yes, I worked it out. As soon as he rode off, I worked it out. I went, oh, no, that's that's the guy from my gym. Like, that's the oh, manager of my gym. Oh, no. That's how and, long it's been since you've gone to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know. Oh, oh you've no. grown a beard. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh, Is it ever a sign from the universe that it's been too long since you've gone to the gym? But you would have you would have got away with it if you hadn't hadn't mentioned the virgin thing. You would have thought you right? knew all about him and it was all yes. fine. It was like, oh, g'day, oh. no problem. I just oh. love that it's the beard, the beard drum is so oh, oh. so symbolic of your I laziness. Know, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, he rode off and I was just like, oh, oh no, that's got oh no, he's growing a beard and I didn't. Oh god, I've got a. And then I felt embarrassed, and, and and when I said, I thought you, you know, how's you got a job at Virgin? And then he goes, what? Nah. And then he wrote. When did you hear that? You haven't been in the gym. <laughs> quite a random career change, too, from yeah, but running also, a gym to working Virgin. He would have thought, I reckon I almost got Virgin a... Virgin gym. Thank you. Virgin acting. Oh. So, and it was like, oh, no. that's all right. Yeah, so got away with it, like almost, I reckon. It was like, fine. And then, like, an hour... So I went and had coffee with my mate, and then I was um, walking down the street to go get a haircut. Um, and then I passed him again, like he was there. And oh I'm my like... God. And I went, are you following me? And he goes, nah. And he goes, you know... And then we, I said, oh, I know. I've got... To, I'll, I will come back in. I'm, I'm riding my bike, mate. Like, I'm just... And so I'd let him know. <laughs> riding my bike? <laughs> like, 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 it's, I feel like <laughs> I have to... I think Kansas out in the GB. He probably doesn't care, does he? Yeah, at all. It's money <laughs> still, so... Yeah, true, and that's what. Yeah, but it was so. I was that sweet relief of oh, I get to cover that. Like I, I get to prove that I actually do know who you are. You rarely get that no. chance when you stuff oh, up those social situations as well. Yeah. So quickly afterwards as yeah. well. Did you say before you left? I'll let you go off to your job at Virgin now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew. Yeah, but anyway, so, um, and then, um, so because it had been <laughs> quite some time. Oh, but look, I, I feel like people shouldn't be allowed to grow beards or make, you know, sudden <laughs> change. Right, Well, no, so their appearance like that if they suddenly, like, lose heaps of weight or put on heaps mm. of weight or change in some mm-hmm. way. You can't be expected to know who they are. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, but you're, oh, yeah. You're, I think you've got to... If you on on the on the list of Jeff Sparrow skills, <laughs> recognising people would be the last on the list. Yeah. Yes. To be honest, I just assume, I just assume that you I'm don't know get it anybody. Wrong. Yes. Yeah. And so I just make all of my small talk kind of generalised. Generalised. <laughs> <laughs> because on the on the off chance, I, either I do know them or I don't know them, and it'll kind of work the out. Of hey, Cobbler. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the amount of times I've seen situations where you've gone, have we met before? Oh. <laughs> it's often in the studio with, yeah. with my regular <laughs> guests. Uh, but I, um, I did go to, you know, because it had been a while, because my gym person had grown a beard. So he did inspire you to go to the gym. Yeah, I went to the gym. Maybe this is his Do tactic. Was... He just rides oh, around yeah. with his beard. Do you know what was good, though? Like, he, like I walked in and he came out of the office and he went, Geraldine, and gave oh. me a big hug and went, good oh. on ya. Because your gym practice kind of fell apart it correlated with the repair of the shower <laughs> yes yes it did i've got a i've got my bathroom back and i started having showers at home so that's anyway i'm back in there now so good on me you are listening to a podcast from australia's best known community radio station 3 triple r 102.7 in melbourne 
Time to say hello to Laura Dunnerman. Hello, everybody. How are you going? Good, thank, thank you. you. I have been lurking around in the studio before my segment because I came mm. early. You mm. lurked during the news. You I know. Busted your way in. Well, because I should explain, you guys are about to start the news, and I forgot that you even do the news. Mm. So I burst in and went, hello! <laughs> and then Jeff said, we're about to do the news. And then I sat down on a chair and I made Sarah start to giggle because um, my chair made a fart sound <laughs> around the time when Geraldine was talking about a woman yeah, it's funny cause, yeah, putting King. birth to rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> it was, the comedic timing was perfect. Yeah, Thank so you. I made my yeah. impression already. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it's great to be here. Do you reckon we're going to get a storm later? I think there's a storm dwell, like kind of there's right now. storm brewing outside. Yeah. I love storms. Do you know what I don't like? What? Charity muggers. Which is what I'm going to talk about today because I got rounded up by a charity mugger the other day, something shocking. How did you let them get you? Yeah. He was very tall and he had big arms and he kind of tried to catch me on the pavement. And it was the worst. It was on a, what was it? Tuesday, it was on a Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. 5.30, outside Coles. No, got to go, mate. Oh, that is the mate. worst time ever no for one... a charity mugger to try to catch people. No one's got time. Was he trying to pretend to be your friend and shake he your hand? Was... And... Oh. Did they compliment you? He Nice dress, miss. He went way too far. Okay. Because the thing is with charity muggers, right, I'm fine with the ones that are behind the desk. Because yeah. you, there's you can a, come up to them. Yeah, you have choice. Mm. But there comes a point with charity muggers, particularly, I have to say, male charity muggers mugging female, yes. you know, members of the public. It comes a time when they're no longer a charity mugger and they're just a man following a woman down the street. Yes. It's very true. And I hate it. What happened? And I got very thought? angry. Did you say that to him? I I embarrassed him. What did you do? So what happened? Oh my god! Why are you getting angry? Well, I I was great. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I do have a line that I go past, and it's and then I do snap. I can I can have a snap. I want to see snap. Should we try and go to now and see if we can make? Try and mug me. (laughs) Try and do charity (laughs) mugging on me. Walk towards her with your arms out. I get get bad road rage. I get really bad road rage, and I stick my middle finger up. (laughs) Really? And I swear. And I swear. Or I'll just throw my hands up in the air so that they can see my hands up and go, come on, like that. <laughs> um, That's a whole other side to you. I know. Oh, you might see it one day, Jeff. <laughs> I thought you seemed so nice, but now I'm not sure. So I was approaching, right, and he had this big green T-shirt on. They were sort of environmental charity muggers, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's what their, what their charity work is... So superfluous. It doesn't matter because, mm. and also they're they're hindering their charity of choice as well because they're not doing themselves any favors mm. with their behaviour. No. Right? So he had this big green t-shirt on, this big guy with long arms, and I didn't see him. Like he, I, he was just at me before mm. I saw him, and he just goes, "Are you friendly?" Like that. Oh, get out. Oh. And I was like, no, sorry, not today. <laughs> and he goes, come on, you look friendly. Like that. Oh. Just And I like walked around. That's and just said, asking someone to hurt him. I said, sorry, mm. I don't have time. I'm going into the supermarket. 
And he goes, come on, you must be a friendly person. If you're a friendly person, you'll st- stop and talk to me. Like, just like, and oh. just, and I was walking you know away from him and he's same? following me. It's the same as someone saying, come on, give us a smile. Why yeah. are you smiling? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you, this is You've exactly a, why I'm not smiling. you smile. Come on. And so I turned around and I said, stop. Like that. Oh, my God. Good on you. Yes. I just said, stop. Stop it. That's like a great that. approach. Because uh, it was just sometimes I get so so mad that I can't control what I say, so I, it, I just become very honest. Oh. And he goes, he goes, come on, <gasps> like that, right? And he did that to us. He said, he said it about five it. times. You're friendly, aren't you, right? And then he had a mate with him, like two, there were two of them, right? And I just went, please, just please stop. <laughs> wow. And he just and. Uh, I was, like, quite serious at that point. I just went, just please stop. Just stop it. Like that. Oh, I'm so Straight in his face and his heart broke. Oh. He just went, oh, like that. But I was just like, and I walked in the supermarket and then I went, I had to walk a block to get to get back to my car and not go around, go, go past him again That's after the supermarket. That's shitty that you didn't have to, you exactly. couldn't walk past him. I was thinking of going up to him and saying, I'm sorry if I was rude, but you need no, to be a bit yeah. more careful with how you follow people. No, but he was the one that was being rude. And he was like, and he was yeah. right on my shoulder. It's super rude, though. It's so, oh, my God. It's, it's like if anyone else, under any other circumstances, if someone that. was busking or, um, you know, or, or like, you know, uh, you know, asking for money on the streets in any capacity, if mm. they did that, they'd probably get arrested. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like following someone down the street. It's yeah. really horrible. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I thought that we could practice our oh, charity okay. mugging, oh. how to get rid of a charity mugger, yes, right, fine. with our last few minutes. Okay, and correct. also... We might do charity muggers, but we also might do telemarketing calls. And how do you get someone oh, off okay, the phone? I'm, I'm very bad at getting them off the phone, so I would this yeah. good practice. Oh, well, maybe we should. I'll save that one for you, Jeff. Who wants sure. to? Who wants? Or do you guys want to do charity mugging yeah, on each other? I don't mind. I'll yeah. do a charity right. mugger. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to be the charity mugger, or do you want me to be the charity mugger? You be the charity mugger. Uh, Affect so an English accent, I think. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was that? I think you need to affect an English accent for this. Sure. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but maybe it will mean that I'm really endearing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to offend not. anyone with that accent, no. <laughs> you know, I'm great at accents. <laughs> okay. Here we go. You're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Oh, hi there. How are you going? Do you have a moment of your time? Oh, I don't actually. Sorry. Oh, you must have just a second. Uh, just to talk to me. Come on, I'm friendly. Okay, yeah, sure. What's sure. your name? Um, Geraldine. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Why are you rubbing your eyes, Geraldine? <laughs> I just had something in my eye. What, 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 what have you got going on? We're trying to save lots of I'm signing up. Where's the form? Um... I <laughs> can okay, get it. Great. What is it? What is it? An, an iPad? Is it? Um, is it? I've got a clipboard. You got a clipboard that it's in the car. Show me your clipboard, and then I would take that clipboard and I would run <laughs> <laughs> and put it in the <laughs> So you would mug. You'd mug the mugger. You'd mug the mugger. That's brilliant. Thank would you. you take an iPad? 
Yeah, for sure. Also, can I just say that your tactic of being overly friendly and receptive worked really well because I had no idea you what to there. say. And you were sucked in. You put mm. me on the back foot. Yeah, oh. Which was another tip that my um, one of my girlfriends told me about really chirpy chirpy shop assistants in clothes stores. Mm. If you're shopping midweek and yeah. you've got the day off and they go, you up too much today? Like yeah. that, right? It's such an annoying... Because, like, it's my day off. I... Of yeah. course, I'm not up to much today. Yeah. I'm shopping in Sports Girl, right? Yeah. You're not doing much. <laughs> and it, I always get, like, a bit grumpy at that. I right? get it. But she said, you just respond with even more chirpiness. I'm having the best day ever. Thank you so much. <laughs> like that. Oh, my God. And they get really freaked out, and they don't bother you after that. Oh, I like that. But it also sounds like you're being sarcastic. and a bit yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like really scared to tell you. I know. <laughs> Secret side of Laura Dunneman. Okay. Also, I think... I think Mug the Muggers is a good sleep in Mods track. <laughs> Mug the Muggers? Yeah. It's, Mug the Muggers, Mug the Muggers. That's exactly it. That's the new sleep in Mods Mug the Muggers. Sarah, before yeah. we finish, do you want to do a telemarketing call to Jeff? Oh, yeah, sure. And then I'll tell you my tactic for that one. All right. Afterwards. Hello. Man, that is impressive. Thanks. Sound. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Hello. Uh, who's there? I'm just doing the pause that happens that long time. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, is this Jeff Sparrow? Yes. <laughs> Jeff Sparrow? Who's, who's calling? Oh, Jeff Sparrow. Yeah, how are you How are you today, Jeff? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Are you having you. a good day, Jeff? Sure. Oh, my, how's the weather there, Jeff? <laughs> it's a bit sultry. Sunny. Oh, it is, isn't it? So, uh, how, your, your, um, your electricity bills, they are actually up for <gasps> review. yesterday. They're up for, they're up for <laughs> review. Maybe it, maybe it was Sarah calling you. Probably was. They were probably doing some bloody Wednesday thing or something. <laughs> They're up for review, so uh, if well, let's talk to you right now. So, how much are you yeah, paying look, electricity a month? Fine, I'm very busy at no, the moment. Or they I'm actually, actually are, on the radio. Oh uh, yeah, no, I understand. They're actually up for review. <laughs> so, uh, oh, if you could just tell me how much you pay in your electricity bills. I've got a golden rule for telemarketers. What's that? What? I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I've got my baby in the bath. <laughs> I'll call you back later. <laughs> I'll call you Can't back later. Argue with a baby in the bath. But what about the callback? I'll call you back later. I'll call you back later. My baby lives Does in the bath. Does that work? Yeah. No, well, yeah. They say to oh, you, if I say you. I'm busy right now, I'll call you back later. I've got another baby. <laughs> I've got I've endless babies in the bath. I'm, I'm an octomum. I've got yeah. babies I'm at the birth. wazoo. I'm giving birth to a rabbit. And I'm giving birth to rabbits. I will be bathing and giving birth all day. That would scare them away. Laura Dunham, thanks for coming it's in. It's right, my pleasure. You're listening to the best bits of the breakfasters from Three Triple R.